I'm always taking everybody's temperature. It's me, Cindy. Not like literal 98.6, but like how you feeling? How you doing? And what with where we are right now, the answers are as varied as, well, something really varied and more. Anyway, I asked some friends to share how they're doing right now, how they're feeling, what life is like, what's different, what's the same, what the greatest challenges are. Not just share with me, but with you too. This is from Lear. You know, my longtime friend Lear, he veered from being a voiceover and producer guy to what quickly became a pretty successful acting career. Here's an interesting story. You can hear more if you missed the interview. But how's he doing right now? Hello, it's me, Lear Leary. Uh, How are things here? Pretty bad. I mean, all work stopped on March 13th. All productions, all filming, all, all everything. Just, these are bad times. You know how when people said, you know, save for the rainy day. Well, this is it. This is a rainy day. We had two dogs. I had to eat one. You see what I did there? I made a little joke. And that's the essence of uh, humanity, at least in this part of the world. Uh, We try and deal with what could be like global depression, uh, like after the Challenger, after 9-11. I mean, there is every reason to just be blue. But uh, we try and make light here and there, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah, we got a lot to be sad about, but we've got a lot to look forward to. And I hope to meet each and every one of you someday and give you big, gigantic hugs and horribly messy wet kisses. Hang in there, everybody. See you soon. Then there's Elizabeth, whom I've known for decades, since she was just a spunky little girl with a great artistic talent. One of our first times together, she had a fistful of nail polish colors, and we went to town rainbowing up our fingertips. She's always been loads of fun and very expressive, and That is still just as true today. Right now, she does art on her own time and gets paid to work in retail at a pet store. She loves animals, not always as fond of people. But that's true for a lot of us, isn't it? Anyway, she sent me this letter. I'm going to read it to you. Hello. I hope things are well, as well as they can be given the state of things. I don't know what you're looking for exactly, but as I've been asked by loads of random people how the pandemic has affected me, I figured I could write something for you that might be useful. My first response is usually, nothing changed for me, people just got angrier, which is an accurate statement, especially if the assignment was, please write in one sentence how COVID has affected your individual life. It's exponentially more complicated than that, but if you wanted to put a bow on it, there it is. I still go to work. I still pay my bills almost on time. I still deal with the public regularly. I still smile at total strangers through my mask and thank people for opening doors and hand people their change without the fear of becoming a leper if our fingertips touch. And I still have high expectations that strangers will respect my personal space, which are thoroughly disappointed each shift by well-meaning guests who don't understand that pandemic or no, I never want to be within six feet of anyone who isn't a relative or my significant other. But that's just me. Turns out, a lot of things are just me. Judging by the number of people drumming up conspiracies, discrediting and ignoring institutions like the World Health Organization, treating others as unimportant or expendable, and or rationalizing the loss of human life based on individual idealism, twisted priorities, and personal, narrow-minded perspective, it's become pretty easy to feel a bit like everyone forgot to grab their free ticket onto the logic train. 
As a passenger, I can assure you, there are plenty of empty seats. As an observer, it's petrifying to see the resistance and unrest of the public. As an empath, it's exhausting to feel the tension in all directions. It's like watching masses of people trying to stay in line and tread lightly on the eggshells littering the ground, while masses of other people are stomping around loudly and adding more eggshells to the minefield. I guess it's kind of hard to explain how it feels to be on one of many of the front lines of the pandemic, to have never stayed at home or quarantined, to have not been furloughed or fired or laid off, to help one stranger who is offended by the sight of someone wearing a mask in front of her kids whom she doesn't want to be scared, and within minutes help another stranger who is infuriated that kids were allowed in the building at all, let alone without any PPE. It's not up to me, ma'am. I apologize for your discomfort in these trying times. It's hard to explain the gross imbalance in people's reactions or the mere psychological damage that apathy has inflicted on otherwise strong-willed and caring people. Ten weeks ago, my assistant manager explained to a guest that we did not have a product in stock, and she was so disgruntled, she coughed on him and laughed. Two weeks after that, he was furloughed, along with all assistant managers and dog trainers in my company. He spent eight weeks staying at home, and when he came back on June 15th, he worked about two shifts with severe anxiety over the safety of re-entering society, called out for three consecutive shifts, and after six or seven years with the company, yesterday, he quit without notice. This could turn into a novel of different experiences and stories and glimpses into the reality of how people outwardly cope or ignore what's going on around them right now, but if I've learned anything in the last few months about humanity, it's this. No matter how real or informative or eye-opening that novel is, if it doesn't have their name printed in gold leaf on the cover, chances are most people aren't going to bother reading it. It's cynical, I know. But you asked how I'm coping, and I think we can agree, sugarcoating reality isn't a viable option right now. The trick has become remaining the good I wish to see in the world, while not forgetting that on any given day... All the effort I'm putting forth for the safety of myself and my partners and for hundreds of others shopping could always end up feeling like fruitless efforts. Because people, in large, don't care what happens to other people they don't know. And when it boils down to facts, the quick realization is that I was never entirely wrong to prefer animals over humans. And if the apocalypse is upon us, I'm saving my puppy first. Stay safe, stay strong, stay sane. And I'll tell you what I tell my coworkers. Always remember, not all heroes wear capes. Whoa, thanks, Beth. I've also heard from Leanna. You've heard all about her. It was her wedding that Lisa and I went to last July, and the three of us plus Liz were up in Vermont earlier this winter. Leanna is a rabbi. She has her own synagogue, so she has a lot of people to tend to and care for, plus her own grown sons and her husband, Steve. And as you'd expect, that caring and concern is especially front and center these days. Hi. It's me, Liana. Life for me right now is this strange combination of intense stress and boredom, novelty and monotony. I've got time to think about what I want to do with and from my life, but without the ability to pursue it and no timeline in which to do it. Yet, I realize that all I have within me, within my home, and within my reach is all I really want. 
Mark Cartwright was in town from L.A. for the holidays. We got to spend some time talking about life in general and his life and his craft in particular. You only have to scroll back to mid-January to hear this one, about how he makes all his actor and model clients look so good in the headshots he does for them, and about how he's already having early success as a movie director. Anyway, here's what he has to say. Hey, this is Mark Cartwright. I mean, I've always been kind of a homebody anyway, but so the the staying home and, and not having to go out and spend money and all those things has been nice. But at the same time, you know, as far as work and as far as, you know, Los Angeles is really built on the entertainment industry, which is an industry that needs people and needs groups of people to make projects happen. So it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, that changes um, the business and how it changes how we create um, content here in, in the city. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how people, but, you know, it, it could also bring a lot of innovation. I think people will have to get creative. Um, you know, if there's going to be, you know, they're not going to just shut down Hollywood forever. You know, like they're not going to not make entertainment. So I think it's going to just create new ways that people are going to entertain each other. I am cooking a lot more at home. Uh, some things that are you know, changing. Uh, I'm buying things to make the house more entertaining. I'm decorating more. Um, I really decorated my rooftop patio and started doing cardio exercises up there, which has been a nice way to meditate and maintain health in the mornings. So that's been good. Um, I find myself going on drives and taking more nature-driven day trips to get out of the house. Um, for the first time, I did a Zoom call and taught a class about filmmaking, which was really fun. I'm usually super nervous to talk to groups of people at once, so that was a nice challenge to myself. And uh, I guess seeing all the ideological bickering and watching how people interact with each other has made me appreciate my family and friends more. You know, I've always loved them, but, you know, I guess I sort of really come to appreciate their values and, and how... Um, I don't know, just the value of being a good person. And I've seen some great examples of people coming together for community, and I've also seen some things that make me wonder why it's so hard for some people to just be decent and considerate human beings. It doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't seem that hard, but you see lots of examples out there. Um, and as far as what there is to remember about this time, there's so much to remember about this time. I know that, you know, once the news cycle shifts, that people tend to forget and focus on something new, but... I think right now we're altering the foundation of who we are as a country and a world. Um, there are a lot of things that I do miss about the 20th century that I don't think will return. So I think, you know, I will remember 2020 as the moment we, that our realities have all profoundly and quickly shifted to a new normal. And, you know, usually these things happen over time or usually shifts happen over time. Um, you know, this first 20 years of the 21st century, you know, you sort of a gradual changing. But, um, you know, this year is going to, I think, well, you know, whether we see it's a, if it's a positive change or not, we'll see. But it's, it's, there's definitely a, a hard shift to a new normal. Of all the comments I've gotten so far, this one from Lynn Feingold struck home. Lynn's the president of the Folk Song Society of Greater Boston, and like so many other artists and musicians and performers, the inability to share in making music, the absence of that camaraderie and creativity, and just flat-out total joy when you're hitting all the right notes and your voices blend together to make something better than any of you alone, well, it's no wonder that Lynn wrote this. Well, I've tried multiple times to say this aloud, but I can't. 
It hits me that hard, and I can't get through it. So she wrote it instead, and here's what she says. I'm a singer, and this is an especially tough time for singers because we've been identified as super spreaders. We project more than just our voices. My folk song society is having a virtual singing party this weekend, but it's not the same. I miss the magic of all of us singing together, our voices lifting in harmony. I miss the conspiratorial laughter among friends as they share a singing memory. I miss the late-night song circle and that poignant moment in the song and the singer's face at that turn of phrase and the low sigh that ripples through the circle. I miss hugs of greetings and hugs of parting. I miss this all so very, very much. I get it. And then there's the adorable Brett Levine, who you may have heard any number of times giving you traffic updates on the radio, but when you're talking about it being bumper to bumper on the LIE or the LIRR running late, it's different. Here's Brett, as I know her. It's me, Brett. What's it like for me right now? I woke up at 4 a.m. to three different alarm clocks. One now chirps birds at the suggestion of Cindy. I like the birds. Brian, he doesn't, but that's okay because somehow Brian sleeps through all my alarm clocks the multiple times that I hit snooze. I tiptoe to the kitchen, making sure to not step on the squeaky spots of the floor and wake Brady. I quietly make coffee and head down to the basement to fire up the computers and start working. Fast forward. It's 10.30. I'm finally done with work for now, and I tell Brady that it's time to turn off the TV. He does not like this, and he throws an epic tantrum. He's three, and recently started testing boundaries again. Fun. Everything is an experiment. What happens if I do this or this? And with the tantrums, I've decided the best way to handle tantrums is I ask him to take a deep breath. I remind him to take a deep breath, and if that doesn't work and he's not listening and he won't calm down, then I just let him have his tantrum, alone. I don't like to give attention to unwanted behavior. I also want to teach him how to control his own emotions without me solving all of his problems for him. The earlier in life he learns this, the better. So I go upstairs. I ask Alexa to play music. She plays the talking heads burning down the house. I tell her, Alexa, louder. Brady's crying. I pour myself a third, maybe it's a fourth cup of coffee, I don't know. It's 10.45 now and I am so tired. I have to remind myself what day it is. We've been living like this since March 13th, Brady's third birthday actually. We both have asthma, he has a heart murmur, so we've been in this bubble now for months. No school, no playdates, just me and Brady and the 400 questions per hour he asks me. He's also decided to stop napping, that's fun, so I don't get a break until he goes to bed at 7, but then there's Still laundry to fold or dishes to wash or dinner to clean up and a husband that I haven't seen all day and I want to talk to. Did I mention that I'm tired? Sometimes I put Brady in the car with the dog. We just take a drive to nowhere because I just need to get out of the house. Brady finally comes upstairs. He's calm. He tells me he wants a hug. I pick him up. I give him a hug. I ask him, could I get you a tissue? Maybe a snack? Some banana bread? With butter, he says. He eats two pieces. Later... We're out front, watering the flowers by the mailbox, and he sees my neighbor, Kathy, across the street. Brady starts shouting to Kathy, ratting me out that I wouldn't let him watch more TV. Her son is 30. She had my back. She shouted back and told Brady that he should just read a book. So that's it for now. There'll be more. It's interesting, right? And certainly, if you want to share, by all means, let me know. You can write to me at Cindy at CindyClifford.com, or you can 
post a message on my Facebook page, which is Cindy Clifford Voice Artist. I know it sounds pretentious, but you know, whatever. And uh, let me know how you're doing. Because we're all in this together, even though we're all experiencing it so very, very differently. I hope you're well. <laughs>